Welcome to She Illuminated. I'm Jana Fuchs, a licensed clinical psychotherapist and soul coach for burnt out women and moms looking to take control of their stress and say hello to a more joyful life. I'm also a mom to two incredible young humans, one of whom is autistic. Together, we will dive into real, raw, and messy conversations about intuition, vulnerability, and the resilience of the human spirit. We all deserve the gift of connection to ourselves and to our lives. So let's spend a little time together here, and perhaps we can walk through the rest of this day feeling just a bit more brightly illuminated. Let's go. Welcome, welcome everyone. This is She Illuminated and I am your host, Jana Fuchs. And I just wanted to say that I am so grateful to you all for listening, for tuning in. I know we all only have so much time in our day. So thank you. Thank you. I always love to envision where each of you are as you're listening because it just helps me to feel connected to you as if you're on the other end of my mic. Maybe you're on a run. Maybe you're in your car. Maybe you're doing the dishes. Wherever you are, I think this episode is going to resonate with many of you. But first, I want to share a super exciting update. For moms who are ready to unlock bliss and parent beyond labels, the waitlist is now open for my three-month interactive group coaching program, which is all online and where an intimate group of like-minded, incredible women will meet on a weekly basis. We're going to kick off in early April, and if you're wondering whether or not you might be a candidate for this group, then here is what I can tell you. If you find yourself answering yes to many of the following questions, then I would say go ahead and put your name on the wait list now because after the first 10 people sign up, I will be capping it until the next round. So whether or not your child has a diagnosis, this group is for the mamas who are raising a kiddo with social, emotional, or behavioral differences due to having a diagnosis like ADHD, autism, sensory processing disorder, or who has a lot of rigidity, anxiety, or dysregulation. So if raising your child leaves you feeling exhausted from being everything to everyone or confused about who you even are anymore outside of the roles that you play as mom, wife, or career person, you will get so much out of this group and being with like-minded women. So imagine how good it will feel when you are reawakened to the best parts of yourself and you feel supported and inspired to take meaningful action for you. How amazing would it feel to increase your self-compassion with loving kindness and release the harmful limiting beliefs that you have about yourself to honor your own intuition and connect more fully to your highest, wisest self. I promise you will love learning from other moms who get it in a non-judgmental and supportive space where you'll also have access to me and your groupmates in between the weekly meetings via the Voxer app and a private Facebook group. So again, 
Space is super limited with just 10 spots. And that's because I want to really create an intimate, comfortable online space where people can have the time that they need to do the work. A sweet bonus too, for the first five people that sign up on the wait list, I'm throwing in a free private one-on-one coaching session with me. So to do that, head to www.janafuchscoaching.com backslash unlock bliss. Now, here's why I think today's episode will strike a chord with a large handful of moms listening. At the very least, we all know someone who is impacted by ADHD, whether it's a friend, a child, a spouse, or ourselves. And maybe there's been an official diagnosis or maybe not. But today, I'm going to focus on those of us who have ADHD ourselves. And for anyone out there raising a child with ADHD, chances are that your kid isn't necessarily the only person in your family who has it. So like many hereditary conditions, ADHD can be traced through many a family tree, though up until the past decade or two, so many women have flown under the radar in receiving a diagnosis. And so as a result, more and more women are being diagnosed now in their 30s and 40s. And so it's not at all uncommon for parents to pursue an ADHD evaluation and receive a confirmed diagnosis after their own child's confirmed diagnosis. And this was my story, in fact, so I'm going to dive in and dish to you all about it. But I'm also going to show you some of the surprising gifts or benefits that many people with ADHD have. Okay, so I'm going to start by... Going way back in time, because I think that having context over time gives us information and data. So all growing up, my parents used to tell me that when I was a toddler, I learned to run before I learned to walk. I would run, then fall down, then get up and run again. And they recounted how I constantly was moving from one activity to the next, Like I was the little energizer bunny and I was always excited to do all of the things. And I would say that pretty much holds true now. In elementary school, I remember feeling anyway like a social butterfly with tons of friends. I was like friends with everyone. And I also had a very disorganized desk. I couldn't understand that other kids my same age, maybe even as early as first grade, seem to just instinctively know how to keep their materials organized. I was creative. I loved reading and writing and learning about world cultures and different languages. But academically, I consistently struggled at the beginning of each school year in elementary school for like two to three months as I was transitioning into each new grade with a new teacher in a new classroom. And I remember beginning to notice certain things like, again, keeping desks organized or being able to completely follow auditory instructions as it just seemed easier for other 
kids than it felt for me, leading me to notice that I felt different. But I never expressed those concerns to my parents or teachers because I think I also had some shame and some fear surrounding it. And so I did what so many young students with neurodevelopmental differences do. I masked and I did my best to cover up my struggles. And so I never ended up acquiring additional support, but I somehow, some way hoped well enough and got it together somehow, as I think a lot of people do who have ADHD. You know, we find these like really kind of cool ways to cope and to compensate. And that's exactly what I did. I kind of figured out quickly for myself that I I had to add in extra time. What took some people no time at all, I knew was going to take me a little longer. And so As I would study or write papers, I made sure to kind of like build those things in for myself, these different kinds of coping strategies. And so, yeah, I ended up doing well and went on to good schools and ultimately opened a private practice as a psychotherapist that's still up and running successfully today. I'm not saying this at all to be boastful transparently, like it was not a cakewalk. And it still isn't a cakewalk, you know, that like the struggle is real. It's real. ADHD is a real thing for me. But I do want to say that even my own dad, who is like just the best, he's just like the sweetest, most loving, amazing man. When I told him about my ultimate ADHD diagnosis, when I did ultimately, you know, seek help for it, which I'll get to in just a bit, his response was like, he was like floored, he couldn't believe it. And I actually think he said something like, but you are a good student, and you run a successful private practice, like, are you sure? (laughs) And my answer to that now is that ADHD, like so many things is on a spectrum or you can say continuum, and it affects every individual differently. And I was able to bring a level of focus and attention to my work because I'm passionate. I'm so passionate, in case you couldn't tell, about my chosen field of study. Human behavior and the psyche has always interested me, and I've always felt very at home in in this field. And so, yeah, I flew under the radar until I was just about middle-aged. And I'll say that, like, the (laughs) smooth-ish sailing noticeably changed for me when some frustrating symptoms popped up in my early 40s. My hormones were beginning to shift, and as I was watching Leo struggle with his own ADHD, I simultaneously got to see his journey unfold once we got him properly evaluated and got him the tools and the support he needed. And I really was amazed and inspired by his progress. Once we got him that help, his ability to learn and acquire new information at school, just like his ability to self-regulate improved. And so it was actually through witnessing Leo's progress with the appropriate interventions that I was able 
to reach out and get an evaluation for myself, to parent myself, if you will, and to empower myself to ask for help. And the truth is, since becoming a therapist, I sensed that I had features of ADHD, but I rationalized that I had gotten this far in life. And I figured the only reason to get confirmation of a diagnosis was to start on medication and potentially work with an executive functioning coach or another therapist. And like, why mess with this at this late stage in life? And I realize it's only middle age, but especially if I was, quote, mostly fine. Let me tell you, once I hit 40 and my hormones started changing, as I mentioned, and the needs of everyone in my family began to grow, things got a little dicier, you know? I was doing things like forgetting grocery bags overnight in my car. I had like two jars of spaghetti sauce open at once in the fridge. Sometimes I would forget to screw on the caps to the orange juice tightly enough, and we would go to shake it up in the morning, and oh, there it goes. I accidentally double-booked clients for the same hour on three separate occasions in a six-month time span, not fun and super embarrassing, and found it damn near impossible to keep up with emails and texts, especially as my kids' needs increased. It just brought me such a sense of overwhelm, and it still does sometimes, honestly, but I do now take medicine to manage, and that has been life-changing, and I've worked really hard to create systems for myself that work. But at the end of the day, no one system or medication is bulletproof. And so the other factor that has helped me to get to a better place is acceptance of the things that I cannot control, which is also a key tenant in all the work that I do. And so here is where my educational information comes in, because again, knowledge is power. So The next part of where I want to go with this is to just provide some information to you all if you're not all that familiar with ADHD, or if you are and you suspect you might have it and you need a refresher, or if someone you know and love might have it. So, you know, please feel free to pass on this episode to them. So ADHD is a neurodevelopmental disorder, and most people think of it as a deficit of attention. And for anyone who has ADHD, I'm really curious to know what you have been taught about it. Like I really, really am. I wish we were able to just sit here and have a two-way conversation about it because I really want to know. Like most people don't have the full scope for how complex and nuanced ADHD can be and all of the ways that it can affect our lives. So Let's start with the basics. So what is ADHD? So ADHD stands for Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder. And it's a really crappy name, to be honest, because it's misleading. It isn't about a deficit in attention. Um, In fact, what surprises a lot of people to learn is that when there is a preferred activity or something that you naturally are really interested in, you can hyperfixate. Like you can focus better on that thing than people who don't have ADHD. 
What ADHD is, it's a neurodevelopmental disorder that affects how your brain works. And the word disorder, don't worry or get too wrapped up in that because for some people, the word disorder can actually feel really validating that nothing's wrong with them, that it's nothing that they can help, right? They were born with a brain difference. And for other people, that word can feel triggering or shaming. So you get to choose however you want to speak about it. Again, it's a spectrum disorder, and it affects different people in a variety of ways. And so the next thing that I kind of want to like explain is that there are cognitive processes called executive functioning, which help us to regulate ourselves to plan and organize and be able to control and modulate our emotions in the ways that we'd most prefer and which allow us to feel a sense of self-trust and to feel that we can be self-directed in our goals, our time management, et cetera. Another type of cognitive process that can be tricky for people with ADHD involves impulse control. And that really has to do with people's ability to curb their own impulses. And people with ADHD might have some extra trouble with managing their impulses. And there's a famous PhD who writes on the topic, Dr. Hallwell, who describes ADHD brains as a Ferrari engine with bicycle brakes, right? So we have these like super fast working brains that see all of these interesting, cool things, cool patterns, things we want to, you know, nooks and crannies in like every corner, but we don't know how to put on the brakes. This is why when ADHD brains are interested and engaged in a preferred activity, even while we are focusing on so many things all at once that all feel urgent, LOL, it can be hard to tear us away to transition to doing something else. And yet, we tend to be highly creative and make connections that are really innovative, unique, and original. Another type of cognitive process that can be impaired for people with ADHD is emotional control. And so many of us with ADHD experience emotions really strongly inside our bodies. Many of you are familiar with the amygdala in the brain, which is responsible for the fight-flight response and our nervous systems when we get an amygdala hijack. And so people who have ADHD are more prone to having those amygdala hijacks. It might feel more difficult to self-soothe or self-regulate, which is difficult when we're overwhelmed in managing so much and doing all of the quote-unquote adulting. So we can be a bit more sensitive, but this also makes us incredibly empathic and able to quickly and easily pick up on other people's energy or mood states. We can be amazing listeners, loyal friends, and some of the best lifelong companions out there. Have I mentioned that many of us tend to be outgoing and super fun, that we're often up for mostly anything and you know, I will say just let us rest and recharge afterwards because too much stimulation requires us to rest and recharge. And for me, that means like 
sleeping with an eye mask and earplugs, totally sensory deprivation style. And if we lash out or scream at the people we care about, that can really be damaging to our relationships. You know, if we've just had a fight with a spouse or our kids are making us nuts. And again, if we lose our cool easily, it can really wreak havoc on a household. Another cognitive process that can take a toll with ADHD is flexible thinking. Being able to go with the flow, to transition from one task to another pretty easily. We ADHDers can get easily sidetracked by suddenly finding ourselves having scrolled on our phones for like 30 minutes when we were supposed to have pulled up the Zoom meeting or gotten out of our car to begin our work duties or whatever it is. Another one is working memory. So verbal working memory and nonverbal working memory. So verbal working memory is, it involves the ability to have an inner monologue with oneself and to be able to keep oneself on track. Nonverbal working memory is like holding the task at the front of our minds in the form of images or pictures long enough that we can see the task through and get the job done. And that feels harder for those of us with ADHD. Similarly is self-monitoring. To be able to really self-evaluate and adjust and make changes accordingly. And that's why we struggle sometimes to reach goals, to stay on task, to notice when we aren't sticking to the plan or when things aren't working, which brings me to my next point of planning and prioritizing. I like to think of having my to-do list, which actually is pinned in the notes section of my phone. And it's just a running to-do list that I keep in vertical order as a list. Again, in my notes section with my most important to-dos in bold at the top of the list. And I really try not to have more than three or four at a time in bold. And then everything else is underneath it. So I don't feel like I have to get all of those done today, just the ones at the top. And thank God I have that for myself because if I only tried to get the things done that I was just holding in my brain, it would look more like a horizontal line where everything <laughs> felt like of equal importance and like immediately urgent. And then I would just feel totally overwhelmed and not really know like where to start or how to prioritize, which would then lead me to procrastinate. So having a system in place for myself, like the one I just explained in my phone, helps me to prioritize and really be able to use my executive functioning skills in a more adaptive way. Then there's task initiation and organization. It can feel like sometimes nearly impossible to get started with a task. So for me, especially the expression like what we resist persists, it's like trying to get a freight train moving for me sometimes to initiate a non-preferred or boring task. But once it's moving, it goes. Um, organization, again, like I mentioned in first and second grade, organizing desks, drawers, cabinets, bills, paperwork, time, money, time management, replying to emails and texts, all of that stuff, managing the social commitments and the kids' schedules and all of it. It can just 
feel so daunting. And lots of that will be relatable, I think, to like any mom or dad, regardless if you have ADHD or not, but it's even more so for those of us with ADHD. So again, each of these eight cognitive processes are crucial to be able to have a self-monitor and self-regulate and be the boss of our own lives. And it can really feel debilitating when we don't have good support systems in place. So to review the deficits that are related to ADHD, the ones that I just reviewed, they're all like those cognitive processes happen for all of us in the frontal lobe of our brains. And the frontal lobe is responsible for the eight departments that help us to do our jobs at full capacity. And they are really underdeveloped in the ADHD brain because, again, it's ADHD is a neurodevelopmental disorder where our ability to regulate emotional reasoning, regulate our attention and our activity, like all of that is impaired. So I want to explain that these cognitive processes take place in the frontal lobe of our brains. And that frontal lobe is responsible for helping us to do our jobs at full capacity, to plan, to organize, to execute. And people with ADHD, again, struggle more with those things because it is a neurodevelopmental disorder where our ability to regulate emotional responses, attention, and activity is impaired. And so it's not, ADHD is not, once again, about not being able to ever pay attention. And even though many of us can be really successful, innovative, and creative in so many ways, adulting for people with ADHD feels so overwhelming and difficult sometimes. And even more so, if you're someone who's raising a neurodivergent kid, not to mention how painful it can feel to watch our own kids struggle with similar issues. But again, knowledge is power. My clients always hear me say, and we currently know more about ADHD brains than when we were school-age kids, more than when our parents were raising us. And so being able to provide earlier interventions can make a world of difference. And it's better late than never. Finally, people with ADHD have lower levels of dopamine. And dopamine is responsible for feelings of pleasure and reward. So people who have ADHD don't have enough dopamine rewards for things that are not preferred activities, like doing taxes or administrative duties. And so ADHD is so many things, right? It doesn't just come with a simple answer. And it can feel really vulnerable to try and explain it to others. And what I want to say to you is you don't owe anyone an explanation by any means. You never need to disclose it unless you decide that you want to or need to. You could simply always say, if you do decide to disclose, ADHD means that I have a brain that functions a little differently. And so while I have a lot of strengths and I do a lot of things really well, I struggle sometimes with focus, memory, planning, and follow through. 
If you haven't gotten diagnosed, it's important to take ADHD seriously. So if you haven't gotten diagnosed yet, what we've discussed is really kind of like hitting home for you. Consider, just consider getting an evaluation with a testing psychologist or psychiatrist so that you can implement a support plan. Medication can be a tool, though it's not always necessary, and everyone has different personal feelings about that. You could consider getting support with a therapist or a coach. Self-regulation skills, absolutely, it can be improved. Stop expecting yourself to be good at things that are hard for you if you haven't yet gotten help for it, or what we call scaffolding. There's a great book called Taking Charge of Adult ADHD, where Dr. Barkley talks all about scaffolding. I recommend that you read it. And for help, hire things out. If you have money to spend, and I realize not everyone does, but if you do, spend it on a cleaning person, a mother's helper, a support coach. And so to review, there's really four key takeaways. ADHD is a neurodevelopmental disorder. It impairs the ability to self-regulate impulses and emotions, and it impairs executive functions. Finally, it lowers dopamine levels in our brains, making it difficult to complete non-preferred tasks. And so the reason why I've pulled back the curtain to reveal my own ADHD journey with you is multi-layered. First of all, I want to show you that ADHD is not a character defect. I feel it's so important to eliminate stigma around neurodevelopmental differences. You know, it's like if we can't accept ourselves due to having a biological brain difference, how can we advocate for ourselves in the ways we need? Because the truth is, there are so many support options and tools out there that really can significantly help. And also, if you're raising your own kids, and especially if your kids also happen to be neurodivergent, how can you not practice what you preach for yourself if all that you want as a parent is to teach your child to accept themselves and get the proper supports? We need to model self-acceptance and normalize self-advocacy. So that is my big mic drop moment. And there you have it, my friends. And finally, once I opened myself up to getting the tools that I needed to support my ADHD, I really became a much more regulated and calmer version of myself, which has only led to more improved relationships with the people that I love. So if you're interested in learning more about whether or not you may also have adult ADHD and how to access more calm and connection in your life, I'm going to recommend a few things. First, you can always explore my free blog on my website at www.janafuchscoaching.com. And you should also sign up there to watch my free video masterclass, which comes with free access to my bi-weekly newsletter. And there I recap and expand upon every episode and upcoming client coaching opportunities. Also, I would encourage you to find a psychiatrist or psychologist using the Psychology Today website that 
who would evaluate and be able to treat for ADHD. And you can also input on there whether or not they take your insurance and modify your search that way. Beyond that, you can set an alarm in your phone if you feel like you're not going to follow through on that. (laughs) And this is a little trick that I actually stumbled upon myself in my own phone where I can set an alarm in my phone and say something like, hey, Siri, set alarm for 2 p.m. and remind me to call the doctor. And then your alarm will go off and it'll simultaneously in big writing tell you the reminder that you need to do. And then don't press stop. Press snooze so that the alarm keeps going off until you actually make the call. Okay? That's a little helpful trick. Try to move your body, even if it's just for 10 to 15 minutes each day. It's one of the best and most natural medicines out there for ADHD and has amazing effects on the nervous system and ability to focus. Educate yourself on the ADHD brain. I highly recommend the books ADHD 2.0, Thriving with Adult ADHD, and Women with ADHD, just to name a few. You can keep an open mind by using a journal to help you really get clear and process some of your own concerns and fears and biases around possibly pursuing treatment and or medication. And then you can bring those with you as you're going through your appointments with your treating clinician or provider. Finally, I just want to say therapy can really help you to better understand yourself and your brain and how some of your challenging reoccurring patterns may actually be connected to your ADHD. And then you'll feel more inclined to know how to really advocate for yourself because you'll be doing so from a place of knowledge and self-compassion. And because I mentioned perimenopause and changing hormones a little earlier, and its impact on the female brain, I am going to give you a little sneak peek that I am going to be doing an episode somewhere in the near future where we are going to explore all of that in more depth. Finally, if you have been enjoying the content of the show, please take one moment to scroll down your screen and drop a five-star rating in the app that you listen to the show on. It makes a huge difference not only to me, but to listeners everywhere who could benefit from listening to the content of the show. And again, the content is totally free, and I do pour so much of my love, time, and attention into it. And I just want to say once again, Thank you. Thank you for all of your support. Please feel free to DM me on Instagram. That's at Jana Fuchs Coaching. And send me a DM with show ideas or anything else. I always love hearing from you. And until next time, keep shining brightly. Bye-bye. If you have enjoyed the show and want to learn more, you can follow me at www.sheilluminated.com or email me with comments and show ideas at Jana at sheilluminated.com. If you're interested in working with me as a coaching client, contact me at Jana at Jana 
And if this episode meant something to you, please consider supporting the show by taking less than one minute to rate and review the show. It makes all the difference in the world to help spread the word and it makes it accessible to wider audiences everywhere. You can also take a screenshot of it and share it with a friend or on your socials. Tag me, Jana Fuchs Coaching. And as always, may you walk through the rest of your day feeling just a bit more brightly illuminated. Until next time.